We all have a story, something that has broken us, built us, changed us, and made us. Your story does not have to define the rest of your life. This is the great news of Jesus. He changes our story. He takes the shame, fear, and guilt and redeems it all, giving us a new story. Joining me today is my friend Kylie. She has a beautiful story of how Jesus has had his hand over the people who have come into her life. This is Kylie's adoption story. Yay. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to have my friend Kylie um, with us today. Kylie has a great story of how God chose the family that she would grow up in. And we're going to talk about adoption today and uh, hear Kylie's story. And I just know that there's, gonna, there's points in this that will resonate with a lot of people. And your story is important. Tell me your story. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Katie, for yeah. asking me in the first place to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, share my story and um, just just another opportunity to glorify the Lord and mm-hmm. um, make room for hopefully other people to, yeah, hear my story and uh, know that they're not alone to listen to stories of God's faithfulness uh, and hopefully just be encouraged. So mm-hmm. first, thank you for having me. <laughs> um yeah, so again, my name is Kylie Barnett. Um, I was born and raised in a small town in eastern Oregon called Baker City, and um, I was born to uh, two very broken people. Um, and so from birth to age five, um, almost six, I, um, yeah, it was a difficult upbringing. So endured a lot of uh, neglect. So kind of even my story starts a little bit before me, but my Um, biological mom she uh, just had a a rough upbringing her parents didn't find the Lord until their later I think 40s and and so uh, her story um, was very broken and very hard as well and so that didn't give me a lot of room for having a chance um, by the world's perspective and so um, I think kind of to preface before I start sharing even there's always two sides of the story and so mm-hmm. um, growing up and hearing uh, my foster parents side of the story and then turning 18 and going on and hearing a little bit more of my biological parents story um, has left me kind of asking the Lord and seeking uh, his truth inside my story um, because again there's two sides mm-hmm. to everyone's story and so um, kind of kind of what I've heard anyway um, about my younger years and even a little bit before me was um, that my biological mother struggled a lot with um, drugs and alcohol and partying in her early growing up years all through high school and on. Um, um, What I've been told is that she'd had um, a few abortions before having me and then so before, during, and after she was actually pregnant with me um, was struggling with addictions and substance abuse Um, and so kind of all these different factors played up to uh, yeah just me not being set up for success um health wise mentally emotionally all these different things substance abuse and pregnancies don't go together and so um already i looking to the very beginning of my story i see god's hand of protection Mm -hmm. over me for me to be born with like like minor negative things there is a few things um but with the level of substance abuse of what i was told um and with how I've turned out like <laughs> mentally and everything um, is pretty surprising and mm-hmm. totally already a miracle. Um, 
yeah so was living with my biological parents from birth to age five and that was like I have some memories of what that time was like most of them were like running around in the field and playing with the dog and <laughs> um but a lot of them are a little bit more on the negative side of just being alone a lot um I've been told stories of like oh yeah like they would ask the uh, Department of Human Services would be like who is this person and who is that person and most of them were selling drugs uh, they were drug dealers um uh pedophiles like in and out of prison oh and jail all the time and so like looking at who I was surrounded with um and like based on the memories that I have even God's hand was like totally over me and protecting me throughout those years um I went back and forth with my biological mom and dad um on and off and have some memories of that um and then I have some really really sweet memories um and this is kind of where like my walk with Jesus kind of enters the picture um thanks to my grandmother on my mom's side <clears throat> she would drive uh like 45 minutes plus out to this tiny little shack that I basically was living in and um pick me up and drive me back into town and take me to church and um would feed me lunch and hang out with me and then would take me back because she had to mm-hmm. um so that is like the my introduction to Jesus was through my grandmother um, and so that was she'd take me to Harvest Church and that was that would have been then the, the church that I would go to church and um, Royal Rangers is this extracurricular Christian kind of like Boy <laughs> Scouts and I would do Bible studies and youth group and actually attend all my years of uh, high school and junior high and grade school there as well. Wow. Um, so it was like her faithfulness to even just introduce me to Jesus mm-hmm. um, from a very, very young age uh, was like a key marker on my life. In those early on years, um, while my grandmother was taking me back and forth, my uh, aunt and uncle at the time would, who, had, who were doing daycare, um, like in their home, would also do daycare for me. Mm-hmm. And so I got really close to that side of the family and they could see um, just the lifestyle that my parents were living and the circumstances that I was in the midst of and they knew that they wanted to step in um, and so when I was six years old uh, the Department of Human Services took me away from my biological parents uh, and then I was officially put into foster care um, with my aunt and uncle biologically um, and so that those kind of years were mostly doing visits with my bio parents the Department of Human Services DHS their goal is to return Um, a child to their parents Mm -hmm. if they're able and so with visits and stuff like that um, it made for kind of a bit of a rough transition Um, but then eventually my aunt and uncle became who I called mom and dad because my mom and dad weren't there they weren't in the picture Um, so kind of for sake of sharing I'll just say mom and dad as my aunt and uncle and I'll say biological parents so we don't get that mixed up that's helpful um were your um your mom and dad, were they from your mom's side or your dad's side? Your bio mom or your bio dad's side? Um, yeah, so my aunt and my mom are sisters. Okay. Um, and then my grandmother, their mom, was the one that would take me to church and, and was the my introduction to Jesus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I moved in with biological family, which was such a blessing because mm-hmm. there's so many foster kids who are just picked up and kind of taken all around. And so... I stayed in their house for all of my time in foster care mm-hmm. um, and didn't, didn't have to move around. Um, so they, they started the um, adoption process, actually, um, in 2008. 
Um, and that's when that's when uh, DHS terminated the parental rights of my biological parents. Um, and it wasn't until 2010 that I was officially adopted by my aunt and uncle, who were my mom and dad at that point. Um, <clears throat> so it was a bit of a process in that time. Um, during that time, my grandmother was still picking me up and taking me to church and was introducing me to extra things in the school and church and events that were going on. And um, it was actually in 2000, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> it was actually in 2009 um, that my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer um, and she passed away that fall. It was a, a, brutal, a pretty brutal thing for our family to go through. Um, my mom losing her mom and then myself as a grandmother um, the one person in my family who I associated Jesus with, mm -hmm. um, even from uh, that young of an age. And so um, kind of what, what my parents then said was like as a vow to my grandmother that they would do their best to try and keep me in the Christian school that I was attending. Um, so kind of all of my years of high school, uh, well, grade, elementary, and, and high school, I, I still was able to go to that um, despite my parents in the house not living out like a christian lifestyle or um yeah it was kind of like a double it kind of felt like a double life a little bit yeah. in that way um but because of that vow that they made to my grandmother that they god provided and made a way for me to wow. go through all of my years at harvest academy so mm -hmm. that was cool yeah did were you would you see your mom in this time your and your dad yeah. Um, so when their parental rights were terminated in 2008, mm -hmm. um, the DHS stopped doing visits. Um, so it was like, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like every other week, like I'd visit like one of my different parents. Um, so then after that, I wasn't visiting them anymore. Mm -hmm. And what happened in that time when you wouldn't see them? Did What was your relationship like? Um, when I wasn't seeing them, to be honest, I... I from my memory, I wasn't thinking about them really mm -hmm. that much. Um, there was a lot of like, okay, we, we're going to do this. We're going to do this so that we can have you um, come and live with us again. And they were separated. They were never married. Um, but then the visits just kept happening. And so I knew that they weren't doing what they needed to do mm -hmm. in order to get me back. Um, so kind of even coming into this new family, even though they were my family, I carried this like sense of like um, – rejection into it of like well my biological parents don't want me so kind of like how do I really know that this side of the family really wants me if mm -hmm. my own parents couldn't mm -hmm. um, so I didn't think about them really all that much but looking back at kind of what I was thinking and going through and then um, having friends who have done foster care and seeing younger kids go through everything that I went through there's such a tension and almost like a, a relapse of like, okay, we've been learning and practicing these like new healthy ways to live. Um, but then you go and you visit your parents, kind of everything is stirred back up and you come back as kind of another, like a crazy child a little <laughs> bit as you were in the beginning. Yeah. And that was something that I struggled with of like, oh, like I'm learning like that I'm safe here and that I, I, will, I will have enough food to eat and different things like that but then you know you go into a visit and you come back and then I'm like I need a can of soup under my bed to know <laughs> that I'm gonna have food kind of thing um so the effects of it of being that doing that back and forth um were noticeable at the time I wasn't thinking mm -hmm. about that but looking back I can see that and I've heard stories that my mom has shared with me of like yeah that was difficult 
the difficult time. Yeah, for sure. Do you, what do you think has, like, how have you seen past that um, or, or moved through that where you're not fearful of running out of food or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. or overcoming some of those habits that mm-hmm. were created yeah. during those times? Yeah, definitely um, kudos to my parents because they like endlessly, you know, would like, hey, we chew with our mouth closed. Hey, like we eat all the dinner on our plate so that we're not hungry before bed. Um, different like just like the things that seem really, really tedious that most kids would just do. And that's just mm-hmm. how they were raised and what they do. Um, my adoptive parents had to put in a lot of time and a lot of effort and um, habitual effort to be like okay Kylie this is how we do things in this house like you're safe and you will be provided for and um, so it was not immediate by any means but it was a lot of repetition and faithfulness of my um, adoptive parents to show me time and time again that there would be enough and that mm-hmm. they were going to be there and provide so yeah and then as an adult I think just over time <laughs> you know growing out of that yeah. learning more who I am uh, seeing uh, the Lord's faithfulness, even in my life, as the overarching theme of my entire story, um, has grown to help me trust Him overall. Like there, of course, there's times where, obviously, biological parents um, failed, and then adoptive parents are going to fail. Um, but at the end of the day, like I walked in such a like deep assurance um, that the Lord was going to be like faithful and provide. Why do you think your mom chose not to get an abortion with you? <clears throat> I remember talking with my um, adoptive mom about this at one point <clears throat> when I was a little bit older, and um, I, I didn't ask her this question necessarily, but I remember my adoptive mom, you know, going to her sister, telling me about this and saying, like, no, like, it's not the right thing to do, having a conversation with her. Um, at that point in their lives, I think timeline-wise that my grandmother probably would have been a Christian, and so probably her prayers... Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've not asked um, quite specific questions. Again, the, the two-sided coin of mm-hmm. he said, she said, this is my story. That's their yeah. story thing. So yeah. there's never a, a clear answer on that. Yeah. Um, but I can make assumptions. Definitely the Lord. Yeah. Definitely the Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Especially seeing your impact <laughs> now that, uh, that you have on people. For sure, God yeah. wanted you here. What yeah. a special reminder, right? Like. Yeah. that uh, there are no mistakes when there's babies being born. Yeah. You know, God wants these children in the world. What are your thoughts on adoption now? Having gone through the system um, and then now you're out of it, mm-hmm. is adoption something you would consider? Yeah. 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 Um, I think my view of adoption is... Um, different from a lot of people's because I was taken out of family and placed back into family and I was so blessed not to um, you know be drugged from foster home to foster home to foster home Um, and like like I said earlier I've had a lot of friends who've done foster care and I've seen those kids go from house to house to house and then Mm -hmm. they land in one house and they're um, adopted or they're there for huge number of years or then their parents finally get their stuff together and then they're able to go back with their parents um versus my story where I was picked up and I was put into family and I stayed there until I was adopted um I think 
I think adoption is such a beautiful and um, God-ordained thing Mm -hmm. um, for the idea of children. Like we see Jesus in the Gospels, like he loves children. And so um, the fact that a child can be taken out of a place where they're um, unsafe, where their needs aren't being met emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, and so on and so forth, it I think it's so beautiful that there is that idea of redemption and new start. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think it's just such a, it's a beautiful parallel to uh, the story of the Bible where we see like the reality of like brokenness and um, hurt and pain and darkness. And then when Jesus comes on the scene, everything is flipped on its head. And I think even in certain cases where maybe they're unbelieving uh, foster parents or, or whatever, um, still, if the intentions are right and they are desiring, like, hey, we, we recognize that these kids are not in good places and we want to provide a way out for them in that and show them love and show them connection and um, provision, I think it, it, it all reflects Jesus in that mm-hmm. way. Um, and so I have a really big heart for adoption and could definitely see myself in the future uh, doing foster care and yeah. even even adopting. Um, yeah because of my story, what the Lord has done in and through me in that way, mm-hmm. as well as, um, yeah, seeing that done for other people as mm-hmm. well. So I think it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. What a gift your parents have given you. And I just love how selfless they were in this. Like even taking the time to be like, we chew with our mouth closed. There's <laughs> there's food here. You're, yeah. you're safe now. And uh it's not just about going on with life as normal that they would stop and take understand that you will need to be taught things that you had learned as survival behavior that uh you know this is such a selfless thing to to pause every night at dinner and just be like you are safe here yeah yeah Yeah. and uh another really beautiful thing about uh what they had done was so i actually have um older siblings like from them Mm -hmm. um and they were all like at least end of high school at that point so then bringing in me the difference between me and my older brother is like just under 10 years or or seven years or something like that we're like close in age but not quite Mm -hmm. um and so they were kind of almost restarting when they were getting to end of kind of having their nest emptied and getting to go and kind of do whatever they wanted Mm -hmm. after that Mm -hmm. their own kids had grown up um, then they were able, they, they made the decision to bring me in and kind of start over again, yeah. which was a huge sacrifice for them. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What is your relationship like with your uh, biological mom and dad today? That's a really good question. Um, so it wasn't until I turned 18 um, that I actually started having any conversation of any kind with my biological mom. Um and she, so she lived in a different state after parental rights and adoption and all of that went through. Um, but then my biological dad stayed in the same city as me, actually in the same town. And um, so growing up, like you would, I would see my biological dad like here and there and whatever. And it was kind of like this black hole of like, this is what I kind of maybe know about him and what I've been told second mm-hmm. and third hand, but never uh, had that like this is my own experience and knowledge of who he is firsthand really um and then so kind of the same thing with my mom except she was living in a different state and so once i started reaching out with her um i think i i realized a lot of truth in what my adoptive parents had told me Mm -hmm. um because i think 
I, I don't know, this could have been just me. Um, but as someone who went through adoption and, and everything, it's like you hear stories, but there was always this like glimmer of hope of like, what if she really is awesome? Like, what if she really does like love me so much and like has her life together and is healthy and good, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so when I had reached out to her and seen, you know, talked with her a little bit and started getting to know her, um, I think there was a lot of disappointment. Not that, that my parents had set me up in that way, but I think my like undying hope <laughs> um, and prayers throughout the years, I think I came to this point of like, wow, okay, she, she kind of is just what she is, mm -hmm. uh, who she is. And so nowadays it's occasional communication. Um, sometimes I'm asking stories, this and that, um, but mostly it's her, you know, checking in, asking how life is, what I'm up to. Um, with my biological dad, um, I'd met with him a couple of times in my hometown after I turned 18. Um, and this kind of little bit of conversation here and there um, with him, he's a lot more present, I think, like tentatively. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it was a lot of like, why do I have curly brown hair? Why do I have blue eyes? Like, where does this come from? Like, for me, it was a lot of like seeking to understand myself and like, yeah. why, why am I good at this? Why do I do that? Um, and then it, it did turn into a little bit more of a uh, a relationship I would say than with my mom uh, biological and yeah so nowadays it's it's occasional communication kind of more of a what are you up to what are you doing in your life um, and they kind of seem to have a bit of a like good old like country type of faith you know <laughs> like oh yeah I went to church and now I'm going to a potluck and or you know like God is gonna do what he wants in this country or whatever you know so um even as a young kid like praying all the time like jesus mm -hmm. would they know you like would like would they surrender their lives to you um and then even seeing just a glimpse of like yeah like they believe in god mm -hmm. maybe they're not going to church every sunday and serving or, or whatever but um i think that has been a big part in my relationship with them as well as realizing like wow i can talk with god about you and you have a basic understanding of that as well so um still very dysfunctional and broken and <laughs> messy yeah. um but I would say we're we're at least on speaking terms mm -hmm. nowadays, yeah, and keeping up with one another's lives mm -hmm. um, for the most part. Yeah. And what did you do to get to a place where you are not angry with them or resentful, uh, but that you can be in this this peaceful state? Like you seem at least pe very much at yeah. peace with with who you are. And you truly just know, you just seem like you know where your identity is. So I know where your identity is, but how did you get to that spot? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, I think a really, really big part of my story, um, like I, I give credit to um, my like Harvest Christian Academy, like the school that I went to, um, because the, the Lord did through the teachers there um, was give me this biblical foundation and understanding of like this is who God is this is what the Bible says about who we are mm -hmm. these are stories of forgiveness and repentance and um, radical just the radical life of Jesus honestly has been um, like my greatest example and so when it comes to looking at like my story as a whole like don't get me wrong there have been times of like absolute brokenness and bitterness and anger and resentment and fear and worry and mm -hmm. anxiety and depression like all of those things I have felt like it has not just been butterflies and rainbows mm -hmm. and 
everything is good and nice, um, there has been a lot of struggle, uh, and especially with my personal identity. So it's, it's encouraging to know where I'm at now and see how far the Lord has brought me. Um, but honestly, I, I, I have to give all credit to Jesus because mm-hmm. of how he was the one that has discipled me all throughout my life. Like going through a Christian school and youth group and everything, beautiful and totally ordained by him. And then living in a family where none of those things are really embraced or enforced or encouraged. Um, and, and still finding that narrow road in between the two to walk on um, was Jesus holding my hand and directing me through all of the ups and downs and the, the chaos that happened through my adoptive family and stuff that was being brought up from my bi- biological family as well. Um, and so choosing to forgive, not because I think that's a good thing to do, um, but truly understanding how far the Lord has brought me and what he has redeemed me from and the ways he's done miracles in my life and um, yeah, how I've seen him be who he has said that he was and has been and will be um, has again and again brought me to this place of like, Jesus, this is unfair and finding him like actually sitting there with me and saying like, it was unfair actually, like what you went through. Um, was not like my my plan like my hope for you Um, but then seeing him meet me there in that place and uh, remind me of a time that was hard and actually show me like Kylie I was there in that moment Um, in that place where you were alone and um, you only had a dog or a cat as a friend or or whatever you know in those times like actually sitting down with me and showing me like Kylie I was right there with you and then actually giving me his heart for my biological parents and showing me like, Kylie, I actually love them so much. Like their stories break my heart. Their, what they've gone through, their hurts and their pains um, break my heart as well. And so um, over time, allowing my heart to be soft enough to experience that with him and experience the pain and the sorrow that they have felt for their own losses as well and recognizing they they did their best despite their addictions and giving into those and um, their fallouts um, on both sides um, realizing that I I probably couldn't have done a better job if I was in their shoes Mm -hmm. and so asking Jesus for a lot of years day after day like God I forgive them like help me to see them with your perspective and to know what your heart is for them because if I'm walking in bitterness like that that's not benefiting me and that's not benefiting them and I know my father's heart for them wow that is so beautiful and it it reminds me I have a friend that um has a has a hard story and she talks about going to Sunday school every uh week and what that meant to be in that classroom and that makes me think of the Sunday school teacher and I just want to give an encouragement to those serving and loving your neighbor or coming alongside and mentoring uh, children and you never know the impact that will have and and you may be that one steady person in their life and or that one safe person and not knowing uh, what the day will come where that person may need you may may need a safe person in their life and um, just an encouragement to all of us to be uh, loving each other selflessly um, 
with a winsome love. And uh, that means like meeting that person where they're at, if they're awkward or not. And, and I know I need to do a better job of coming alongside people. I'm not saying you were awkward or hard to, <laughs> hard love. to love. I was no. A wild child. <laughs> but we, we never, um, we shouldn't despise the impact that we could have on other people. We don't know the difference we're making. Yeah, yeah by showing them Jesus' love. Yeah. yeah, wow. By looking at my story and seeing like the first 10 years of my life and, and the hardship that I endured and the trauma that mm-hmm. I, I had to go through. Um, and then looking at me now. Um, and of course, all of the in-between awkward, messy brokenness. Um, would you really be able without Jesus to, to put those puzzle pieces together? Um, going from like traumatic, neglected, broken little girl to... Um, self-hatred, very like lost in where I belonged, still throughout all of that time, like choosing Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there, was a, there was a tangible grace over me um, to not walk in addictions or substance abuse or anything because I was always around it, even throughout high school, um, all the way until where I'm at now and how I've just continued to say yes to the Lord um, in wild wild doors have opened and I've been able to serve in crazy capacities that I never would have dreamed of um, as a young girl Um, it just all goes to show the the faithfulness of the Lord and that when he has a plan um, for someone that it can never it cannot be stopped that he will be the one to complete the things that he started Um, and he's so he's just so faithful and kind to meet us along the way that it's not a hurry and rush to become something but it it's just been in every single day walking hand in hand with him looking in his eyes and becoming more like him um and so without without jesus in my life um i have no idea and don't even want to think about where i would be or who i would be mm-hmm. um so all of my story just goes to show of his radical faithfulness um yeah that is so amazing and when I look at you and think of the things, the, the areas you have stepped out in faith and then, you know, filter in your age, like, uh, you know, I, it's a, such a privilege to see where God is going to take you and to see you living that life where you're like, here's my hands open wide, just take me. And uh, thank you. Such an encouragement, Kylie. This is such a great story of God redeeming things. And that's what, um, that's what that's what this podcast is all about for me is showing these stories of redemption and the the faithful steps and it's so hard when we're in the midst of it and midst of our day and these little annoyances to to uh to really hold on to that there's a greater plan happening and and that god is in control and doing something bigger than than ourselves and your story really speaks to that your story will touch people uh and continue to uh showed people Jesus. So thank you so much yeah. for opening up yeah. and being honest with us. Yeah, of course. And, and vulnerable. And even just to mm. add, like, mm. on to that, <laughs> which is so, yeah. just so amazing, is even uh, probably since 2020, um, the Lord has just been getting a hold of my adoptive mom's heart. Wow. Like like all of our lives, like, she kind of, mm. you know, she would say that she believed and, and, you know, would stand up for certain things here and there. But um, since 2020, the Lord has been just pressing on her heart. And it was actually right after covid stuff went down 
that I heard her for the first time say, like, I believe in Jesus and I know where I'm going, right? That, like, confess and believe and you'll be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, in recent events, um, again, more stuff has been unfolding and some more brokenness and transition in our family. But um, with that, my mom has been forced to rely on Jesus and depend on him more. Like, I've not heard her talk about prayer more or... Wow. Um, yeah, seeing God do things more or talk about his faithfulness more ever in my entire life. So like he even right now, like as people are going to be listening to this, like the Lord is moving and being faithful in my family to get a hold of the hearts of my family members and my nieces and my nephews and my siblings. And I believe that like he's he's so far from finished. He's got a long way to go with <laughs> my family uh, as he does even in myself. But he he's continuing to be faithful and continuing to do um what I've been praying for for so long. Wow. Wow. Oh, to, to get to the day where we, we see a struggle and, and just, okay, God, you're in this, you're doing something. That's why this struggle is here. And that we can just put our hands up and say, okay, you do your thing. I'm not at that day. (laughs) Man, It's hard. It's the best way. Yeah. It's the best. It's the hardest, but I feel like it's the best at the same time. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Kylie. This has been beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you again so much yeah. for allowing me to share and just glorify Jesus with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're too much. <laughs> In such a good way. <laughs>